Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. We got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hello, oh, Emily. Gosh, don't even do I've that. I've been thinking about that intro all day long today as I drove around. Oh my. Okay. Just breathe into it. I'm I'm here. I'm ready to go. Is this for real? Did that just happen and <laughs> yes. it's starting? That is so for okay. real. That is a for real intro and we're in the thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. That's good. Wow. Welcome, Harmony <laughs> Dust Gorillo, to our podcast. We are so excited to have you on the show. And really, we've been knowing of each other for a long time, but um, I think your voice is just a really special and unique, um, very wise voice to have in the space of healthy survivor leadership. And I think it's a relevant topic to be discussing right now. And we had already scheduled you to come on the podcast, and I had no idea that you were working on this blog post that you did that that was right on topic of where we wanted to go with this discussion. Um, Mm. So welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, I just want to say, just in case I don't get a chance to say it later, I just love and respect your leadership. And I was just telling staff today, I was like, oh my gosh, like you're not a survivor leader, Mm -hmm. but I feel like you get it on a level that a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it's so awesome Mm -hmm. and I appreciate you. Both of you. Yes, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Both of us. Um, Well, to give our listeners just a little clue about who you are, Harmony, is back in 2007, we've been um, discussing on the Jesus Said Love podcast kind of about where we started in 2004 and then kind of where chronologically we're kind of taking people kind of through the timeline journey of the last 15 years of our lives, which has been just such an incredible God uh, woven experience and, and really a trajectory change for where we probably thought, yes. thought we saw yes. ourselves in the line of ministry and work. And, and it's just been refreshing and beautiful. But in 2004, we started in 2007, we began going monthly. And this is where you come in harmony because mm-hmm. we met with a group of people who, a group of women who had been going to the clubs with us from 2004 to 2007 on special occasions. And what we realized during that time was we really couldn't engage actively in the women's lives and in the issues because we were, we were hit or miss. It was like, here's a gift bag. We love you. See you later. You know, Jesus, Mm -hmm. God's good. And, um, which was really unfair. And what we were uncovering were just 
major systemic oppression, every facet of poverty. I mean, we were overwhelmed with the issues that we were coming face to face with. And so Mm. in 2007, we got together a group of women and said, could we commit, could we really commit to going at least once a month and laying down our lives, like asking God the question, what would it look like for us to totally lay down what we thought was our call to ministry and pick this up, pick this torch Mm -hmm. up. So I walk into that meeting, which was at Panera Bread in Waco, Texas, and I was there a little bit early and had gone to Books a Million to get a journal because I left mine at home. And when I walked in, your picture was on the cover of Relevant Magazine. Mm. And it was on East and it literally was you and it said scars to stilettos, you know, stripper, former stripper going into the strip clubs now as a survivor leader. And I was like, are you kidding me? There's someone else who's already doing this. Like Mm. it was mind blowing to me. And so that was my introduction to you. I reached out to you right after that and said, that's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that wild? You know what's amazing is that Relevant actually had asked me to write the article, and I'm like, I don't, like, what am I going to do, write an article about myself? So my friend Ashley Abercrombie is a writer, Mm -hmm. and she wrote that article, but she's also my friend. Mm -hmm. But she full-on interviewed me like a professional. And at one point, I had my feet up on the wall, and I just mentioned while she was interviewing me, and I said, I still have scars from the Mm -hmm. stilettos. And so she named the article Scars and Stilettos, and then I ended up totally stealing that and naming, titling my book Scars and Stilettos. It's perfect. (laughs) Isn't that funny? That's that's just awesome. And it's what happens when we tell our stories. It's like Mm -hmm. these things become revealed the more, these truth becomes revealed the more we tell our story and... And that's why story is so powerful, you know, giving mm-hmm. language to it. It's awesome. And, were, and weren't you wearing some kind of a hat? Yeah, she had like a hat yeah, on. Okay, I, I thought I, I remember that, a hat. That like was a, my old cover. It was, what do they call it, like a page boy hat or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, like a paper boy hat they or something. They were in. I feel like I wore yeah. that too. Well, I wore I that back they, in 2007 for sure. <laughs> they were in, but don't do something like that for a book cover because it gets dated real fast. There you go. And well, so- have you seen any of our album covers lately? Can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, so it's been a long time, right, since 2007. Yeah. And so tell us, take us back to that space for where Treasure was then and where Treasures is now. Tell us about your organization, about what you're doing, and really who you are in the world and in this space. That's a lot of uh, things to to possibly talk about. Well, let's see. Um, Yeah, I mean, really, I just started, you know, Treasures was birthed out of my own story of overcoming um, exploitation. And, you know, basically at one point in 2003, I found myself sitting across from the strip club where I used to work and feeling like I was sitting outside of a prison that had once held me captive. Mm and wanting to do something, but I didn't know, like, what could I possibly do? Like, what am I going to do? Walk up to the club? And, um, that's what I did. (laughs) So (laughs) I ended up writing, um, handwritten notes on the backs of postcards and the postcard said her value is far above rubies and pearls. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's the message that I wanted to communicate. And, um, and then thought, well, what if other people would want to join me? Mm -hmm. Maybe I could go to other clubs. And so I took that idea to the leadership 
at my church and they were so on board. In fact, you want to hear something crazy? Mm. Um, one of the associate pastors was like, yes, you should do that. If I were a woman, I would do it, but I can't. So you have to, you know, <sighs> and at that point men weren't involved and right. now we have male volunteers and they do security and that right. sort of thing. But, um, basically I was like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Like maybe I'll start after I finish grad school because mm-hmm. I just started grad and, school. And what was your degree? What were you going to school for? Your social Master's work degree? Yep. in social welfare. Okay. Yeah. And so he was like, no, you have to start sooner. And this is like early summer. And he's like, how, you have to start. How about, you know, the fall or whatever? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is. Was this two? Yeah, it was 2003. Anyways, I was like, I, I don't think I'm ready. So next thing you know, he says, you know, can you, I want to start helping you recruit volunteers. Can you write a vision statement? And I'm like, you know, Jeff, I'm so sorry, but like, I have a lot going on right now. I don't think I'm going to have time to get that to you in time for the brochures at church to be printed. Thank you so much for your support though. Right. Homeboy wrote up a write-up to recruit volunteers for me. And then next thing you know, people were signing up to volunteer and I had to start treasures. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. I, I was like, so the reluctant, like it was so scary <laughs> to me. I, I love that picture though, of the church actually pushing you into this kind of thing. In a I gracious know. way. Right. And a, come on, we yeah. believe in you. We're going to get behind you. We're going to put the full force of this thing behind you. You can do yeah. this. Yeah. In fact, he named it. He was like, mm. you know what? He's like, I've been thinking a lot about it. And you know, the scripture that I'll go before you. And I'll bring you, I'll break the bars of iron and I'll bring you treasures out of darkness. What about Mm. calling it treasures? And I was like, sure. I mean, honestly, he should get the credit for founding it because (laughs) I, but you know, from that point, it was just like putting one foot in front of the other. And at the end of every outreach, we would constantly ask ourselves like what worked, what didn't and why. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is we created a lot of best practices just from trial and error. And really developed a lot of strategy and obviously by the grace of God that, you know, we really figured out, oh my gosh, like we can do this and we can do this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and then someone's like, you should be a 501c3. And I'm like, what's a 501c3? And she's like, I'll file the paperwork. I mean, that's yeah. how the whole journey was for us. Right. But um, eventually, long story short, we were featured in Glamour magazine mm. and it ended up being like the biggest spread on a nonprofit and glamour history. And we started getting our phone lines crashed, our website crashed, our email crashed. Um, and we had women from all over Mm. the world. I'm talking about India. I'm talking Mm. about like German everywhere, contacting us, looking for help because there was very little, you know, I was like you, if I found out about anyone doing anything like this, I was shocked and amazed at that time. And then, yeah. And then we also had people from all over the world saying, we want to do something. We want to get involved. How do we do this? Um, and unfortunately at that time there was a situation where a girl that we were mentoring from afar, we encouraged her to get connected to a local church and she was rejected. Um, Mm. she, her and her children, her child were turned away from the children's ministry and told that they're not welcome there because they knew what she did. And she also, her car was vandalized and they called her in spray paint, horrible names, the church Mm. on her car. And so I was like, okay, of course angry, but I'm like, if the church understood her vulnerability and the circumstances that led her into prostitution and how she was exploited and how they could come alongside and actually, I don't know, do the work of Jesus, you know, (laughs) that they, that's a novel idea, you know, (laughs) yeah. Oh, be the hands and feet. Um, so then out of that, really what the, the training program that, that we do was birthed and we started training other people, Mm -hmm. um, 
to duplicate this kind of model in their cities. And, and that's really where we come in because in 2007, I think we got one of your first edition kind of training manuals of best practices. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got it, the first draft. We were, yeah. we were like, yes, okay, somebody's got something down on paper. Like it's not all this conceptual idea that we have to run with. Um, it felt so... It felt grounding, grounding to us to just have something and someone to tether to, even if you were on the other side of America. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we could, we knew we could call you, and and it wasn't until Harmony a couple of years ago that we actually met face to face, which is crazy because I felt like I had known you like my whole life. I <laughs> know you were like, wait, no, yeah. we have met, and I was like, no, you've met thousands of people. I promise I haven't met you. <laughs> but That's yeah, so it was a, it was such a good day, um, to just really just love you and see the work of your hands and what you had built up. You guys were just moving treasures into your building that you're in now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, all that good stuff was just just happening. Marriage had just happened. I mean, you weren't even pregnant with your son then, you know, it's yeah. just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, growth. that was, yeah, it was really special to meet you. Mm -hmm. I, 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 there's a few people, you know, that I've met throughout the years where I'm just like, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing in your city, but I so selfishly wish you were here in I LA know. with me because you just I feel know. like a sister, you yeah. know, like just kindred. Yes. So road trip. I'm feeling road, road trip. trip. I haven't met you yet personally. And so <laughs> I, you know, I feel like we're, you know, Instagram friends or whatever, and we should yeah. probably vacation together at some point, uh, but yeah, you know, we have a, and we have a converted garage and two futons. So yes, you guys right. are always welcome. We'll be there. And Texas is here for you, too, just to let you know. I have a question. Thank you. Yes. Were you scared? Of doing all at the, this? At the very beginning, were you scared? Of course. Why? Was, I'm still scared. <laughs> I want to no, talk I about mean, that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was totally scared because it was, I, it was something I'd never seen done before. There was no model. There was no prototype. I don't, I'm not someone who likes a lot of big risks mm -hmm. and although I constantly find myself taking them. Um, so there was that kind of tension there. Um, and you know, think, you know, would people think I was crazy and truth be told the landscape, and I know you guys know mm -hmm. this from being in it that long, but the landscape was very different back mm -hmm. then. The, the terminology exploitation and trafficking wasn't being used right. at all. Um, people would look at me absolutely cross-eyed. Why would you do that? Don't they want to be there? Isn't mm -hmm. that their choice? You know, with, there was so little understanding about exploitation, commercial sexual exploitation, um, that, you know, it definitely felt like swimming upstream a lot. And, um, there was a part of it where it did feel like this underground thing that was happening, this movement, this mm -hmm. groundswell, right. but so there was, there was camaraderie in that, but at, you know, society at large, mm -hmm. like, don't ask me if you're sitting next to me on an airplane, what I do, you know, so, <laughs> how, do I, how do I give the tricky. elevator pitch? Yeah. How do I give right. the elevator? Like, uh, we're pitch. in sales. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the interesting thing when you, when you say, you know, there was this groundswell of stuff that was happening. And first of all, I think any kind of the fact that you said, I'm still a little bit scared to me just says you, you are marked with humility and yeah. that mm. is we should all be <laughs> come at this with with some fear and trepidation because mm. it is sacred work you yeah. know i mean we are holding 
valuable stories and deep, deep trauma. And, and that can only be held in a space where love and humility dwell together. Yeah. You know? And I th- yeah. And I think for me too, like I'm committed to leading with vulnerability right? and, um, and transparency. And, you know, so that is not easy work. No. Like at yeah. all. No. So it's, yeah. It's so hard. And that's why I want to have you on because I recognize going back to 2007 when we first got your first training manual, I could, it could be the case and it could be the story as it is for so many survivor leaders that you still wouldn't be in the game. 2019, I could you could be one of those leaders who, who isn't here anymore, who got taken out again by relapse or addiction or, or abuse or whatever it is. And so to me, Mm -hmm. it, it, it's so incredible that I can look back at some of our first and earliest days of ministry and you're still here. I'm still here and you're still here. And so I, I think that the reason I wanted to have you on is to talk about how, like how in the mm-hmm. world are you still here? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, honestly, I mean, the enemy, he really did try to take right. me out more than once, but, um, yeah, I went through also in the midst of leading this, I went through, um, a lot of personal mm-hmm. trials, you know, mm-hmm. not only have I still had to be working out my own trauma and continuing to face how my history is impacting and shaping my perspectives and decisions and like even the smallest of ways because I'm committed to that healing journey Mm. that's just not easy stuff to be dealing with but also on top of that um you know in the very beginning struggled with didn't realize it but struggled with extreme codependency Mm -hmm. um ended up going through a divorce Mm -hmm. in the middle of this Mm -hmm. losing a home Mm -hmm. almost went bankrupt Mm -hmm. um I had a neighbor offer me a job in pharmaceutical sales making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm. And all I had to do was just put treasures kind of on the back burner right. and, you know, turn, but turning that down when I was lo- mm. in the process of losing a home, you know? Um, so there were so many opportunities for distraction or even just like co- just walking away and throwing in the towel because I was suffering so much personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But for me, what it's really, really come down to, and I think the only reason I'm still standing besides the grace of God Mm. is a revelation of the importance of self-care. Yes. Um, And that, that's why I'm still here. It like, I almost didn't make it. Honestly, I was working 16 hour days trying to, you know, fix and rescue and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that, like. And be a single mom. Right. Being a single mom, trying to be the superhero to everyone. And it literally almost killed me. And Mm -hmm. what I've found so incredible is I've as I've continued to incorporate rest and self-care into my life Mm -hmm. and um healthy rhythms of Mm -hmm. of rest into my life, God has honored it. Yeah. And He's blessed it. Mm -hmm. And like I finally, a year ago after 15 years, took a three month sabbatical and my board was like, you should take a six month or a year. I'm like, how can I ever <laughs> after three months, girl, I was like, Oh, I need a year. I'm tired. Um, your body ca- caught up with you. Yeah. Yeah. But during that time, like it was like, God was proving to us that 
it wasn't the whole, this thing isn't dependent on me because yeah. treasures was thriving, wow. like doing better than ever. And I'm like, Oh good. You guys don't need me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then of course, when I came back, I'm like, you know what, this, I can see my place here. I can see the value, but also mm. like everybody survives without me. Like I am not God. Yes. And, and I think like when we're obedient and take time for things like Sabbath, um, um, or, you know, just taking downtime and days off, it helps us to remember that we are not God and right. not everything is in our control or in our hands and coming to that place of surrender is just a better heart space to be in mm-hmm. when we do, you know, show up to work again the next day. Yeah. And you mentioned the, uh, kind of the savior complex or the martyr complex, um, which can be real blind spots for survivors of trauma. You know, I wasn't an industry girl, Um, but I have Mm -hmm. abuse in my past and, Mm -hmm. um, I have my own trauma to deal with and my own trauma to learn to steward. And there's a very legitimate reason why I'm here and, and really how God used women in the industry to expose my own pride and Mm -hmm. my own, um, irresponsibility with the story that I was holding. I I was very Mm -hmm. out of touch with Mm -hmm. the reality that I had endured And, and so therefore I was only able to go so far with their trauma, with their story, because I wasn't able to hold my own. Um, and so you do the fixing and you do the controlling and you do the saving everyone and, and boundaries become muddled, but talk about what those, what are some pitfalls or blind spots for, um, survivors of the industry? You As know, they I step think, into leadership. Yeah. Cause, cause we want yeah. them to be able to be healthy leaders, but what are they, you know, what do we need to know? I think I would say, I feel like this goes for any and all of us who are drawn to caregiving. I don't even know it's specific to women who have had trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who, the reality is a lot of people who find themselves drawn to, um, caring for the marginalized and the vulnerable have histories that, you know, of some kind of vulnerability themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's that kind of like what you just said, like, Mm -hmm. so one thing is I think all of us need to recognize and be in touch with and connected to our own story, our own vulnerability, um, and our own histories, because as you were indicating, we can't lead people where we haven't gone ourselves. That's right. And so even people who haven't been in the industry, just need to be really take an honest look at and understand their own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the terminology, the rescuing language that's used yes. a lot oh in this gosh. field, it's like, you know, usually it's not even like people are tossing that around. We rescue, we rescue, we rescue. But in reality, unless you're like the FBI and you're busting down, you know, doors and like, you know, pulling trafficking victims out of brothels or whatever, um, you're not rescuing anyone. And even in that case, we are, we know that a lot of the victims end up returning to their exploiters because the psychological, you know, chains that are there. And Mm so it's inaccurate, um, and really prideful. I think a lot of times for us to think of ourselves as rescuers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know for sure I had my superhero cape on for a long time because, yeah, I mean, so I'm com- I'm tell- I'm sharing this from having had to overcome this myself. Um, but the best we can do is really walk alongside women and empower them in their process. Um, you know, as they're healing and recovering. So definitely taking the cape off because 
it's also super disempowering because it puts us yes. in a one-up position to the people that we're trying to serve. And that, that doesn't serve them. It, no. it disempowers them. Yes. Hey, um, have you, yeah. have you guys dealt with, um, I don't know how to ask this. I'm just a straight shooter. Have you guys dealt with competition? Mm. You mean like with other ministries and stuff? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's out there. I just, I honestly just try to stay as disconnected from any of the drama as I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like, you know, there, unfortunately I see it. I see, you know, um, the gossip, I see the hurt that so many friends of mine who, you know, are in the movement, if you will, experience when people are jealous or, um, you know, backbiting and then people fighting over strip clubs like it's freaking gang territory. Right. Like, get out of here. Come yeah. on. Like, this is ridiculous. We're on so, the same team I, here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I do see that. I just really... For me, I I just try to redirect my focus to what's working and who's doing the work <laughs> well, that, yeah. and not even get caught up in all that. But it's there. It's if you're looking for it, it's everywhere. Yeah, and I and think that's one of our. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Co- keep going. I was just gonna say one of our values as a team is unity, mm-hmm. and not that we you know have to like uh, be robots and think the same way and agree on everything, but we have just a culture of honor and respect. And just an understanding that at the end of the day, we're going to all be on the same page and we're all working towards the same mm-hmm. kind of vision and mission here. And we're going to treat other people and other organizations that way as well and have an attitude of partnership and mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. Um, so that's how we go about it. I think that, you know, comparison and competition can also be an effect of, you know, post trauma um, mm-hmm. because it really it's, it's kind of a fin for yourself mentality. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, a, there's only enough slices of yeah, pie. It's that scarcity know, and, complex, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So it kind of, it kind of can play into it. I think for, especially women as we're leading and I think about, you know, just man, the value and the ability that women have to be connectors and bearers of truth and goodness on the earth together to, to naturally right. be communal and collaborative. And so it makes sense that the darkness would want to really destroy that in a predominantly female-led arena in ministry, yeah. that that would yeah. be an area where he would kind of start taking mm. people out. That's a good point. Right. And you know what, that, I would say if that is one of the pitfalls I think that can be a little bit more of a trap for those of us that are survivors, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the world that we come from, we are, it's, we are in competition with each other in, in the industry, in the life, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, there's the attitude of like, we're all after the same dollars, the same customers, the Mm -hmm. same, you know? And so if someone else is getting ahead, it feels like we're falling behind. Um, and so I do think it's easy if people are used to relating to other women in that way and see them as threats and see their quote unquote success Mm -hmm. as, you know, um, indication that they're going to be failing or that there's left, left, less opportunity or money or whatever left over for them. It's easy to take that mentality into the you know, movement when they move into survivor leadership. And unfortunately I I do see that a lot. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you mentioned was um, taking off the cape and talk to us a little bit about what you might want to, how you might want to really just empower the church um, to kind of 
take off the rescue cape because, right, we know like Christ is the rescue. Christ is the rescuer. And we get to be a part of that. We get to play a small role in empowering others. But some of that language, unfortunately, for victims, you know, the rescue language is used by people with great intentions, predominantly the church. Yeah. And I think like, even if we're not using that language, if our attitude towards another person is, I can fix you, then they're not a person anymore. They're a problem Mm -hmm. to be fixed, you know? Um, and I am so guilty of this. Like I'm the first to tell you that I was a, I was an unsolicited advice giver to the (laughs) max. I was like on a mission to fix anything. And part of that was my own need for control and my own, um, inability to sit and be still and face my own issues. And as long as I was focusing on everyone else's, then I didn't have to focus on my issues. Mm. Um, so I did approach everything from like, here, you should do this. You should read this book. You should, here's a scripture for you. Here's a, a program you can apply for. And I think, you know, sometimes our intentions are good and we might have solutions that even could possibly be helpful, mm-hmm. but there's a better way to go to, about it. And, you know, I'm at a point now in my life where, you know, the women I mentor know that I will not give them a bit of advice, <laughs> a bit, unless they ask for it. Isn't it so, isn't it frustrating for them and sometimes for you too? Cause don't you just like know what you want to say, but don't they also really want you to say it? Yeah. And, th- but I have to be, so for me, I have to be invited. So mm-hmm. they have to invite me to speak into what they're they're saying or give input or advice. And even then, a lot of times I don't. A lot of times right. I'll put it right back on them. Well, what do you think your options are? What do you think? Yes. What What is your gut telling you here? Yes. What do you think you can do? What are some solutions that you can think of? Because people are more likely to commit to solutions that they come up with. That's right. And it also, you know, again, takes me out of, you know, takes the cape off of me. And, you know, empowers them in their life. And, you know, I think it can be super dangerous. We create these kind of relationships where people, we create dependency Mm -hmm. on us Mm -hmm. and it's not helpful to them in the long run, you know? No. So, I mean, you're talking to, I am, I'm learning this harmony because for the past two and a half years, I've been in Al-Anon. And so for me, Al-Anon and 12 step work, I should have been there 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. But this work is the deepest, most transformative work that I have personally done, along with Enneagram work and um, yeah. Allender, you know, Dr. Allender work and knowing yep. my story and all of that. Um, but man, the role and the work, the, the stuff that I'm learning in Al-Anon is just about that complete surrender and letting yep. go and letting go of other yeah. people. Like you can't control, yeah. you cannot control them. And I wanted to, right. I want to say this because you mentioned it earlier. The reason the empowerment model works is because the one thing that has been taken away from women who've been exploited and trafficked is power. Hello. Yeah. So the last <laughs> thing they want is other people coming along telling them what they should do and how they should think. And, and they're hardwired to kind of crave that, right? Because yeah, once the trafficker it. leaves or the pimp leaves or whoever, the abuser, then you're drawn right. to it. It's like this enmeshment in codependency. Right. right. And there's like, so basically a lot of times people who have experienced a lot of trauma and been victimized, what, what happens for us is we develop 
um, an external locus of control, Mm -hmm. meaning like the control over our lives is outside of ourselves. You know, in in the cases that we're victimized, we were powerless, control belonged to someone else. But we we get comfortable with control of our own lives um, being outside of ourselves. So part of the work, the healing is developing an internal locus of control so Mm -hmm. that we're taking back control of our own lives, taking responsibility for our wants, needs, feelings, actions, but if we are in relationship with, you know, a mentor or a person who is happy to keep the reins right. and tell us everything we should do and try to control our lives, it, it's it's so toxic and it perpetuates mm-hmm. that that victimhood in a way. Yeah. Um, and I, for me too, I went through um, the twelve step program through Celebrate Recovery mm-hmm. for my own code issues with codependency. Mm-hmm. And I, I just echo what you're saying. So yeah. life changing. It changed my life. It changed my leadership. Yes. It changed the the DNA of treasures. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um and all of that is part of self care. I always say when I walk into that group, you know, I'm the median age is you know, maybe 50 and I'm 40, you know, it's a lot of yes, older people. I, I, same thing with me. Man, yeah. But it's, it's just, I feel so cared for. And so it is an act of self care. It's an act of me knowing what's good yeah. for myself to be able to go. Um, talk a little bit just about what it means for self care for you to be connected with your body. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, the re- <laughs> the reason Why? it's interesting Why is it? because I, I somaticize a okay. lot of my emotional pain. Mm-hmm. So I hold pain and stress in my body. Yeah. Um, and so that's, and it's funny that you bring it up because just recently I've, I've had, I've been once again, faced with my, I have a deep need for physical activity uh-huh. because it's one of the ways that I can release that pent up like, um, energy and the feelings that I store physically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So is that, is that what you Yeah. Meant? I mean, I just, I think in the same way that codependency is there for survivors of trauma, I think that a disconnect with the body is also something that we see. Um, and, and it's why, because power has been so external you know, yeah. from them. Yep. And so to yeah. take power back in their body and do something that feels good for their body and, and realize what makes them happy and what makes them feel like feel again, like truly right. feel again without the right. drugs or without the man or the sex or alcohol, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and I had to go on this journey too, where it's like, you know, for the majority of my life, the things that I did that were like self-care ish, for example, exercise and um, proper nutrition yeah. were not out of a place of desire for self-care, but were out of a place of obsession with my appearance and needing, feeling the need to look a certain way, yeah. you know, because my value was in my appearance and I, the whole all, you know, comfortable thing objectified and it's part of the sex industry. Mm-hmm. So I had to go on this journey of discovering that um, I, I could spend time like caring for my body because it's good and healthy for me and because it mm. feels good, mm-hmm. but not because I need to look a certain way for someone else or even for myself to value myself. So 
through that process, I've discovered like, I love physical activity. Yes. It used to be like a, you know, a slave driver in my life, <laughs> right. but I love it. And I like the way I feel when I eat healthy. And mm. I can, I can truly say that I'm a point now where I do those things out of love for myself and self-care rather than in the past. I think they were almost a form of punishment yes. and um, control. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm echoing all these things. Yes, I can hear you <laughs> echoing that. Let's go on a hike. I don't have time for a hike. Yeah. Let's go yeah. kayaking. Let's get on the water. Hey, so we have a few more minutes left. Um, talk about your husband. How how involved yeah. is, you, is your husband in this deal? And how y'all met My is a husband. cool story. Oh, he's so <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, so how we met is I, it was around 11 years ago and I was speaking at our church and he came up to me afterwards and said, oh my gosh, I I have such a heart for what you're doing. I would love to get involved somehow. And I just looked at him like he was the scum of the earth. And I said, (laughs) uh, no. And he felt horrible and like he was a big idiot. And, but it stood out to me because I could see he was so genuine, but I didn't understand because I didn't have a like a paradigm for that at the time. And, you know, men at the church at that time, because I wasn't yet recognized as like Harmony, founder of Treasures, they would come up to me like, I'd like to come with you to strip clubs on a Friday night. Like Mm -hmm. I want to get involved. So when he said it, I could tell that he really meant it. And Mm -hmm. I was confused. Mm -hmm. But so fast forward, um, and I was on, didn't know it at the moment, but I was on the brink of, um, you know, a separation Mm -hmm. and divorce. And fast forward, about a year or two later, we started having male volunteers. He was the first to sign up. He was in my (laughs) office every week, volunteering, sweeping, putting together donor campaigns, making gift bags. He was cooking Thanksgiving dinner for the women. So cool. And the other funny thing is, is men for treasures, because I was a single mom, when I had to move, they would help me. He helped me move in and out of every living space I had wow. for like, which unfortunately was a lot because I kept moving. <laughs> <laughs> so when we bought a home in October, he's like, I'm so glad this is the last time I have to move you for a really long time. Um, but anyways, yeah, so it was years and we weren't even on each other's radar to date. And then it was just, I felt like it was a matter of God's timing. And mm. finally I was like, and he's so handsome. Like he's mm-hmm. too, he's too handsome. <laughs> so I was like, I never even thought, I wouldn't even date anyone that handsome. It's just like, no, thank you. They're not trustworthy, <laughs> but he is so trustworthy and wow. he is so kind and amazing. And he, um, he just, he loves me. He mm-hmm. proposed to my daughter when mm. he proposed Aww. to me. Yeah. And, you know, said vows to her in our wedding mm-hmm. and is so someone who is so connected and emotionally available and actually really draws me out and challenges me mm. to, um, to like engage in true authentic intimacy and vulnerability, which isn't my go-to. Let's right, be honest. Like, right. <laughs> I'm, my go-to is a little bit more on the detachment end of the spectrum. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he really like it's constantly just making me better in that way, and I'm super organized, so that helps our household. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. We we each have some strengths we bring to the table. Oh my goodness, yeah. And you guys, you know, with with this with ministry and any kind of helping profession, the boundaries are so huge. The I'm just so happy for you, Harmony, because I just feel Thank like, you. you know, the the abundance that you are walking in right now is just 
you know, it's like every small yes that you've made unseen, you know, to mm-hmm. God in those just small, tiny places of obedience just have yielded such a beautiful harvest. And mm-hmm. um, I love seeing your from afar, of course, but I love seeing, mm-hmm. you know, just your sweet son. Oh my gosh, those baby boys. I'm so glad you had a boy too. You've got a daughter and a son. Um, They're just, yeah, boys are fun. I'm having fun. I mean, of course I love my daughter. I love them both, but it's, it is interesting. It's different. It is different. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's fun a to different have both. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so great to, to, be in this space that you guys both just have such a heart, um, for ministry and just being available to, um, championing really this work, but also a priority on your family, a priority on your marriage, a priority on self-care and so that you can go the long haul. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, God really has redeemed my dreams and it's, yeah, it's been quite a journey, but I'm so thankful for where I'm at. Me too. And I'm thankful we've gotten to watch you from afar. And I want to tell our listeners too, that if you don't know um, of Harmony's work, um, Harmony, where can we find you? Tell us where we can, where our listeners. Yeah, you can find um, at IamATreasure.com. And in fact, that's where the blog that I just wrote on um, survivor leadership is so which is so freaking good by the way it's such a good oh, such a good you. blog post gum it it is good yeah so there's like information on you know common responses to trauma and ideas on how we can um, navigate that whether it's primary or secondary so if you're listening and um, feel like that would be a benefit to you you can find that at iamatreasure.com and i also just started my own personal blog so i can talk about more some of the not necessarily um, sexual exploitation related things, but other recovery things. Mm-hmm. And that's harmonygrillo.com. Okay. And then, of course, I'm all over the social media with yeah. Harmony Grillo as my name. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a second edition of Scars to Stilettos that's out, and you can find that on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on our website. Yeah. Scars and Stilettos. Scars yep. and um, Stilettos. Yep, on Amazon and at IamAtreasure.com as well. And that's um, my memoir. And also I think is a book that might be helpful for anyone who, you know, is engaged in toxic relationships or has a history of abuse that, you know, they're wondering if they can overcome, um, that that might be a good resource. Thank you for letting us learn from you. Yes. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I seriously love you guys so much. Seriously, I don't want to play favorites, but you guys no, are among my favorites. You too. <laughs> we we go we go back, and you know, I think the history um, just has said a lot about where you've grown and and where we've grown, and all the pivots and shift along the way. God has been faithful, and just yeah, keep keep doing the work that you're doing because we we love learning with you. Mm, thank you. And ditto. You too. Hey, Emily, you hear the dog in the background? I do hear the dog. I think that means our time is done. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Thank you to Harmony. (laughs) Thank you to everyone listening, all five of you. We appreciate your time and uh, we're excited uh, to continue on this journey. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at jesussaidlove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.